0: Welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 94. In this episode, Christina and I discuss how to successfully manage or transition to intuitive eating. This strategy definitely gets mixed up with other things, so in the episode, we do our best to debunk misconceptions and give you practical takeaways to implement these skills in your life today. Now we don't interrupt the show midway with sponsored ads or asking you for ratings and reviews. So while you're getting settled, we ask that you just take two seconds to support our show by giving it a five-star review on Apple podcasts or Spotify ratings and reviews allow us to bring more knowledgeable and influential people onto the show for you to learn everything possible about science and sustainability with respect to your goals. If you like this episode in particular screenshot it and tag us on Instagram to show your support. One share could be the catalyst for someone in your life to transform their body, their health, and fitness for good, and of course, it helps grow our show too, and we appreciate that. Thanks again for listening. We don't take your attention for granted, so let's get right into it. Episode number 94, How to Intuitively Eat.
1: Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to intuitively eat.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I I don't love the term intuitive eating because I think the technical definition of it is just like people eating the way that they normally eat which is funny because it's kind of like what we're trying to get back to with the whole concept but the 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 term I like to use is mindful eating but hopefully seeing the title intuitive eating got you to got you to come here so I just want to make a distinction right up front Um, kind of two different things uh, but mindful eating and we'll talk about this is a very active and mindful process versus intuitive eating is more like you know you pick a person off the street in New York City and ask them what's your diet like and they're usually like I don't know just eat like when food's there (laughs) (laughs) that's more like intuitive eating and intuitive human nature but anyways uh welcome glad you're here (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I think this is a good topic because we have done a few episodes regarding reverse dieting. And we think that like, once you've gone through a dieting phase, you reverse dieted, you're kind of maintaining, this is a really good time to implement mindful eating, maybe not intuitive eating, but just being more in tune with your body and and what your body is telling you and how to still make good choices. And if this is someone, if you are someone who tracks macros and you can't imagine getting away from that, or it kind of scares you, I think this is going to be a really good episode for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think context, like you said, is is appropriate here. So, you know, when are we utilizing mindful eating? When are we learning it? When are we trying it out? Um, And usually it is in that case where we have, and this is kind of along the whole, client's journey that comes full circle is you know you pick a person off the street and they are intuitively eating right but it's not getting them where they want to be and so they uh, embark on this journey that is health and fitness so they build these habits and they um, eventually maybe they they do embark on a weight loss or fat loss phase and they track their food they get into the numbers, the macronutrients of it and then we reverse diet so we've talked about that that's kind of where contextually we've gone in the journey so far. And then what do we do after we reverse diet? Um, A lot of people think that you have to just track your food forever. And that is what a healthy lifestyle is. I think that's where um, if people are not clear when they're marketing things on social media, they can be, they can misconstrue what is healthy living, right? You know, I definitely used to do this. I used to like show my meal prep on Instagram. I used to show myself weighing my food. And I would say, this is a healthy lifestyle. This is what you should be striving for. And let's be honest, that's not what most people see themselves doing for the rest of their lives, nor is it realistic, nor is it um, sane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, when we think about and we envision That's what I encourage you to do. If you think about the person that maybe you were at the start of this journey, if you're in this fitness journey, or maybe if you are struggling with your progress and you envision what your best, healthiest lifestyle looks like, we don't don't picture a food scale in that image. We picture eating foods that make us feel good, that nourish our body, um, being able to be in tune with our body and having all these elements that more so align with mindful eating, than they do with macros or tracking or my fitness pal, right? And Mm -hmm. so we easily get a misconstrued when we don't think about context. We, uh, We think, well, macro tracking was what I did to lose the weight. Therefore, that is what a healthy lifestyle is. That's not the case. There's actually this next step that is mindful eating that is getting away from tracking and numbers and is the sustainability part of this whole journey that comes full circle to where we are kind of doing it intuitively at a certain point. um, But we have to build the mindful eating skills in order to get there in order for it to become automatic.
1: Yeah. And we always talk about macro tracking as a tool and a skill that we are building upon. And the reason why we track macros is so we get a really good idea of what food is actually made of and and what we're eating when we're actually eating. So like, oh, uh, avocado has a lot of carbs and also has a lot of fat or wow, when I eat 90, uh, 10 ground beef. I can save a lot of fat when I switch to 937, seven, or just like small little things like that and getting a better idea of what your food is made of. But like, like you were saying, we don't want to be like 80 years old in a wheelchair, like tracking, putting in my fitness pal, for the, you know, when we're in the nursing home. Like we don't want to have to do it for the rest of our lives. And, you know, the other thing we always talk about is a dial, right? Like we don't want that dial turned up to, you know, cranked up to a nine or a 10 where macro tracking is getting tedious, it's really hard, we just don't want to do it anymore. So being able to dial it back down and kind of live at that, you know, five or six or wherever that kind of like balanced lifestyle is for you. So like you were saying, just like we and we improve upon our macro tracking skills, the same thing with intuitive eating. Like we have to, it's not just an easy switch where we snap our fingers and then we don't have to utilize a scale or my fitness pal or anything like that is something that we need to practice and get good at.
0: Yeah, that's where people go wrong, I think. And you know, it's it's either you know they think that macro tracking is what they have to do long term, or they assume that because they have successfully lost weight and successfully executed on that portion of the journey, that they will therefore intuitively know how to then maintain it and eat without tracking in the future. And uh, for everybody that I've ever coached uh that is that could not be farther from the truth because yeah. there is a whole new skill set that needs to be tapped into when we talk about um not tracking maintaining our progress and being able to just um, live our lives and and be carefree and and free just mentally when it comes to our food and our choices um but that also doesn't mean that it's it's mindless. It's actually extremely mindful and it's a very, very active process. So hopefully that sets the stage, like context for like, when are we doing this? When is it appropriate? Because I'll be honest, I don't think I will ever attempt to coach somebody to lose fat intuitively with air quotes or mindfully with air quotes. And I I will say like, there have been times in the past where I have tried it in some aspects. Um, It doesn't, work wonderfully for like 99% of people there's a person here and there that like it clicks they get it they can see results but there is usually um, there's usually a lot more we have to kind of unfold when it comes to actually losing weight and uh, and seeing the details with that so I will say like for most people when we are doing this whole mindful eating thing is going to be when we've achieved the results and when we want to maintain them in the long term yeah. And I think
1: a, a big mistake before we kind of jump into the how, how to eat more mindfully, eat, um, I'm trying to say mindfully and intuitively at the same time, um, eat more mindfully. But I think what happens is someone who is burnt out with macro tracking, they want to eat in this way and they just switch without any thinking. They just say, I'm done with macrotracking. I don't want to weigh anything anymore. I'm going to eat intuitively. And there is not a lot of people that I have found to be successful at that, like you were just saying, um, especially if it's right after or soon after a dieting phase, because a lot of times what happens is our, our hunger and fullness hormones are not where we would like them to be so oftentimes you might find yourself eating a little bit more than you you know quote unquote should so getting at a good spot with maintenance first I think is really important and really key and then kind of like weaning yourself off macro tracking or like kind of we we I know Marissa you and I are very similar it's kind of like taking the training wheels off right like we want to be able to do that so um, how to get away from macro step by step like it's not like there is one thing that you should do or like a step-by-step. It's kind of what is going to be the best method for you. So I have some clients right now who are doing a great job at just doing like one day on, one day off. And one of the reasons that I really like this strategy because I think, you know, you track for one day and then the next day, maybe you eat the exact same thing, but you just don't weigh it or you just don't plug it into MyFitnessPal. And the next day you're back on. I like this because it's not like you're taking weekends off or you're doing on the vacation or whatever. And then it's hard to get back on. It's just like one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off. Um, I really, really like this method. And it's something I've been utilizing a lot more as of recently.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot because a lot of times, you know, We'll say like, oh, let's do like one or two days this week that we don't track, and if we take that approach, like the client's always going to choose the weekend, (laughs) and -hmm. like uh, that's very different than like um, you know a weekday in terms of routine and the foods we're eating and types Mm -hmm. of foods. So, yeah, I really like that approach. Um, I don't think I've ever used that one exactly, but I'll kind of you know work someone towards like one day, two day per week, three days per week. But I will always say start with a weekday, like make it your Monday Mm -hmm. that you don't Mm -hmm. do this. And it's going to feel really weird because Monday is usually the day where you're like, I'm going to get back on the wagon but at this point we should be consistent enough to where like we are if we're tracking every single day then getting away from it is okay let's pick a day that's going to be very routine very easy mentally to handle not knowing what our numbers are um then eventually getting to where we have the majority of days where we're not tracking anything and then uh you know maybe it's one or two days a week that we're kind of just tracking to make sure that like the meals we're normally eating are still in our, you know, ranges, but, um, eventually we get to the point where we have that confidence in ourselves. And I think the biggest thing about getting away from tracking food is actually, uh, like just confidence. Like we oftentimes just doubt that we know this stuff that we like know what a portion size looks like after like years and years of weighing it out. Um, and it it does imprint itself in our brain pretty well. And if it doesn't, you know, we can use other proxies for portion sizes that will work. Um, And so I think just it's, it's a game of building confidence with yourself and saying like, oh, I can do this. And just because I'm not tracking doesn't mean that I'm off the wagon. I think that's the association that we have to break that these tools help us do.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a really good way to put it. Like the client needs to build that confidence the same way you did with macro tracking. You now need to build that confidence. Like, oh, I can take some time away and I can still maintain my progress. And it's not that big of a deal. And like you said, it's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not being lazy. Like this is the approach that I'm looking to take. So I think a, a lot of clients, say no. like I probably, and this is something that I experienced too. It's like um, the one day on one day off I like because. You have a client who can just follow the day before and if they want to change something up, they can do it the next day when they're not tracking. Uh, But I have some clients who are reverse dieting and they've been eating kind of the same foods, which they feel like they can do well, but it's when they're introducing new foods that's when they typically revert back to macro tracking. So they're having kind of that, like I want to eat intuitively and and mindfully, but like if I'm introducing new foods, how do I do that? Because I like, so I think that that's sometimes a a hiccup or a hang up, however you want to put it. And um, that'll keep them from doing more kind of like non-tracking days. And uh, I think that, you know, another thing that you could do is like maybe you don't want to do the one day on, one day off. Maybe you just track all the way up until dinner maybe dinner, you do try new recipes. Um, maybe you still are trying to be conscious of like, okay, this is what I have left in the day. Maybe my fats are a little bit lower today. So for dinner, maybe I shouldn't have salmon. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have, uh, you know, something super high in fat, whatever it may be. So um, kind of like, instead of being intuitive for the day, just intuitive for a meal and trying that.
0: Mm, yeah. And well, I think it all... It just comes down to like remembering what the tracking was supposed to teach us in the first place it was like, okay, if I am, you know low, let's use that example, low on my fats by dinner time, then I'm not going to add butter to this this meal because I already, you know, have probably maxed out my fats. That's what we would do when we're tracking macros why would it be any different if we are not tracking our macros it should be the same decision and the same thought process and the macros are there to teach us the thought process of how to balance things out and give ourselves a well-balanced just um just well-balanced nutrition as a whole and gosh you made me think of something else that i was like excited to say and i can't remember what it was (laughs) so we'll just we'll just move on but (laughs) well i
1: was gonna say it's been it's been very very interesting for me going from I feel like just I you know, most of the times when I'm tracking macros, it's because I'm in a dieting phase because I want to be very specific. I want to be, you know, making sure that I'm I'm exact and I can adjust my food uh, the next week and be very particular. So it's been very interesting tracking my food now postpartum in a stage where I'm eating like over two hundred and fifty grams of carbs every single day. And to track and be like, oh my God, I still have this much left to eat. It's been very different. So having to just like, even though it may be kind of against my what I would normally gravitate towards, I guess, for like a, for breakfast, I'm like, well, let me just throw in a bagel because I I know I don't want to be shoveling carbs at the end of the night. So it's just, it's been very interesting and eye opening to do it from like the opposite perspective and then going against what I would normally do and be like, no, I do need to eat more carbs. Like instead of having half a bag of uncle Ben's rice, no, I need to eat the whole thing. Like just small things like that. So Uh, It's been interesting, but macro tracking has allowed me to get rid of those kind of like the dieting mindset and actually eating more. Um, So that's just that made me think of that.
0: That's fun. I think it also shows the value of like not just tracking when you are uh, dieting, because that can perpetuate the very much like if I'm dieting, then I'm macro tracking. If I'm not dieting, then I'm not. And so, like, Go through the phases like reverse diet, maintenance, fat loss, all the things with the macros. If you're going to use the macros, use them right. Do it all the way, and then move into something like this. And I remembered my train of thought, and it was just that <laughs> you know uh, we were talking about like you know your clients that introduce new foods and they struggle with that when they're eating mindfully because uh, they they know what's in the food that they always have, but they don't know what's in the food that they eat out with, and that can be a big uh, limiting barrier. But I want to encourage just the fluidity of this. Like, there are no hard and fast rules. No one said that if you're gonna eat mindfully, that you can never open my fitness file ever again. And it has to be in the trash folder. Like <laughs> just search the damn thing and be like, oh, okay, now I know what's in this food. Now I can make decisions based around it. Like, yeah, it it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm I'm away from it, so I cannot, I, I can't know, right? Like that can almost be um a problem causer in and of itself, right? Yeah. So just understand there's, there's flexibility, there's fluidity. It doesn't have to be, uh, and, and all of this and all of mindful eating in particular is about removing hard set rules and being able to like reflect inwards and uh, ask yourself good questions so that you can make decisions that support you. Sometimes a decision that supports you is maybe finding out what's on the menu or finding out what's in the damn food. So you can just feel confident. You might yeah. not do that every time. It might not be that for that way for the rest of your life, but like you can still make empowered choices with all these tools that you have.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, and I, I know that I've brought this story up multiple times, but I, I, I love it because, um, I think it, it just highlights sometimes the mindsets that, that some people have, like my mom came to visit And, uh, we went out, you know, we were big foodies. We love going out and exploring. And we had went to two different places and we got like appetizers. We went somewhere else. I think my mom had like a glass of wine, maybe, maybe a glass and a half or something. We had a flight. Um, and she came home and it was like dinner time. And I'm like, all right, what do you want to eat for dinner? She was like, oh no, like we can't eat dinner. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, I'm hungry. And she was like, no, 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 we were bad. Like, or she, I don't know, she said we were like, I was bad today. Like, I can't eat dinner. And I'm like, are you hungry? And she like, didn't want to answer. And I was like, well, like, I was like, give me your, give me my fitness pal. Like, give me your phone. <laughs> so I plugged everything in for her. I'm like, you've eaten like 900 calories today. And she was like, oh, I was like, yeah. Like a toddler eats 1200. And I was like, you are, you know, you know, quote, unquote, allowed. You can eat dinner, especially if you're hungry. She's like, okay, well, I'll have a smoothie. okay. (laughs) Um, But it's kind of like, you know, if you're feeling a certain way, like if you're maybe not confident, like, uh, I don't know, like, I I don't really, I'm unsure of how my day is. Maybe just plug some stuff in, kind of give you some peace of mind. Like, okay, I actually made some good choices while I was out. I had half a sandwich and then I had a salad or, you know, whatever it might be. Like I did a few things and I actually have more food left over than I thought I did or something like that, or it'd be like, oh, actually I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And so maybe you track like lunch, or maybe you track a dinner just to see where you're at. But like you said, it's not like you have to do that all the time. It might just give you a little bit of peace of mind. And then you can say the more opportunities, and more times you do that, be like, oh, okay. I trust myself when I go out to eat, to make the right decision. So like you are saying, it doesn't have to be all the time. It can just be like on an as needed basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Last thing, one more context where this is appropriate, mindful eating, Um, because what we've actually started doing is we've reversed the order of things and we actually start with mindful eating skills and tools to just kind of break down some of those beliefs and walls before we get into macros and all the hard and fast rules, because a lot of times people come from histories of long, restrictive dieting, doing that over and over again. Macro tracking can just end up being another one of those things if it's not handled carefully. So uh, another time that mindful eating and these skills we're going to talk about today are appropriate is also just if you are sick and tired of all of the rules and all of the black and white and all of the shit, and just like doing this can, I mean, you... I said, I'm not going to coach somebody through fat loss with these tools, but like you will most likely see positive changes to your body composition by implementing these tools by nature of how society works and how like food and culture is today. If you implement these tools that are, you know, different than the norm, you will most likely see some progress in your body in some way, shape or form. It's just not going to be very measurable or like reliable in the sense of like You do X and you see Y, and that's how macros and calorie tracking and all that stuff is. But um, at the end of the day, like if you just want to repair your relationship with food, you want to be able to just feel good about the food you're putting into your body and how you feel about your decisions, uh, and you don't want to get into macros maybe ever, this is a great set of tools that we're going to walk through that's going to help you just maybe break down some of those old beliefs those old rules and uh come to peace with your eating um, and you may not you know see X number of pounds down on scale but you could definitely have a lot more peace of mind so that's another context where this is very very appropriate
1: yeah and I and I'm gonna continue on the tangent but um I think you know we, we talk about the difference between mindful eating and macro tracking like if you were going to diet you could do it more mindfully and intuitively and not be very specific or accurate but you at the same token you may not see as big or as great results Um, and it might be a little bit more uh, you might fluctuate a little bit more and might make some changes without really seeing results whereas macro tracking is very precise um and you can manipulate the data very easily and make changes so I will say that so if you are doing this just kind of have that trade-off where like I may not make as great of change it may not you know be super accurate week to week but I'm doing it in a way that like I'm dieting and maybe you're happier because you like this and you don't like following rules um but just knowing that that's kind of like a little bit of a trade-off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It could be mentally healthier for slower progress or vice versa. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. So now that we're 22 minutes in, let's talk (laughs) about, uh, what these actual tools are and, uh, how to mindfully eat. And so, uh, the first thing that we've touched on a few times is that this is a very active process. A lot of people think that mindful eating is very like well, we'll see what happens. And <laughs> it could not be more opposite of that. And in fact, we often um recently we've had a couple clients come to us and be like, oh my God, this is exhausting. Or like, I'm annoyed, like that I'm paying attention <laughs> to so many things because I just want to sit down and eat my damn food. I don't want to think about it. And like it is a very active process and honestly in some ways can be more active and mentally um demanding than macro tracking itself. Cause that's like a plug and play. And, you know, mm-hmm. once you get it figured out, like you can kind of just put it on autopilot, but it can also perpetuate bad habits, like not listening to your hunger signals and just mm-hmm. eating because you want to hit the numbers and all of that. So this is actually going to really break away from a lot of those rules, a lot of external structure is really what mindful eating does is it's not about external structure. It's about internal awareness and cueing and honoring what is going on inside your body, Uh, not just from a physical standpoint of, and this is one big part of it is I'm physically hungry and I'm going to eat because I'm physically hungry but also being able to have emotional awareness mm-hmm. and sitting with our emotions and saying, you know, is the reason that I want to eat something right now emotional and not physical and how do I navigate making that decision uh even though I know I'm not hungry but you know I want to make a choice that I'm going to feel good about at the end of the day cuz if we don't handle that. That's literally how we get into things like binge eating disorder and uh the yo-yo dieting cycle. So
1: yeah. You made me think of something really funny. Um, I think I've I think I've seen this on Instagram, but it's like, you know, after macro tracking, when you sit down and look at food, it's like the matrix, like you only see things in protein parts <laughs> and fats. <laughs> um, so sometimes it's like uh it's hard to get away from. Um, but I I like that idea that it's it's not passive. It's not like you just sit and eat and you just don't think about anything. Like you will look at foods and say, okay, what is, you know, the macro content or like, what it what is this that I'm eating? Like, you know, it's like, if you went to a buffet, like, you know, you're not just going to pile on carbs because that's what you want to eat. It's like, okay, how do I make this meal balanced? How, you know, all those, those different things that we'll get into. But I, I like the idea of it's, it's not passive. It actually is very active.
0: Yeah, which is why I'm so like I'm antsy to get into it myself because like I'm gonna be transitioning uh, this way myself very soon as well, but um, also like nervous because like I just sometimes I don't feel like I have the headspace for that. But um, (laughs) but it's something I've been working on in conjunction with like finishing through my reverse diet right now, Um, just like paying more attention. And one of the first things is uh, hunger levels, and so there's a bunch of different ways that you can quantify this, and it's funny you know, I think it's ironic that we, we talk about intuitive or sorry, mindful eating. We talk about how it's all about internal reflection and it's all about the intangibles. And then we go ahead and we say, okay, hunger levels. And we quantify this on a scale of one to 10 or one to four or whatever it is. And I think it's funny because we, we as human creatures constantly like go back to relying on like external structure to make sense of things. Um, but a simple way to, um, big sense of your hunger levels is really just to start to identify them. And we've been using a scale of one to four. I don't know if we've shared that with you, but I know we've talked about the one to 10 scale, Christina, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's essentially the same thing, but basically one through four is just simplifying all the gray areas that would be in a scale of one to 10. So on a scale of one to 10, on a hunger scale, you would say 10 is Thanksgiving stuffed, I want to puke, and one is my stomach is eating itself and I'm super hungry, and a five is I am neither hungry nor full. On the scale of one to four that I've, I've really enjoyed lately, it's basically just one is you're not hungry. You could be many degrees of not hungry, but you're just not hungry, and if you're eating, it's for reasons other than hunger. A level two is you're starting to feel little aspects of hunger, but it's not full-fledged, so this is the time for you to start thinking about what do you want to eat when you are fully hungry? What is that meal going to look like? Um and what do you want? Level 3 is you're hungry, you have a, you know, a little bit of a sensation in your stomach, your energy might dip a little bit, you might start getting distracted from what you're doing because of your hunger. This is when it's time to eat a full meal. And so this is when you sit down, you eat. And a level 4 is that ravenous point. That like I have just you know waited way too long i'm ravenous we want to avoid getting to that point so the scale of one to four is very simple because all we want to do is defend the level two and avoid being um, avoid eating in that level two level one eat when you're at a level three avoid getting to that level four and that's it like that's literally it and so you can quantify it a number of ways but that's i mean it's just like It breaks people out of like, oh, I have to eat this many times per day or I have to eat at these times or I have to, um, you know, eat these certain things. And sometimes we just have clients focus on let's just tune into this, listen to to these hunger signals and see where that gets you, because it usually it usually opens the door to a client realizing, why am I at the pantry right now? I'm not hungry. I'm not at my level three. Why am I here? And then they're like, oh my God, it's because I emotionally eat. Or, oh my God, it's because I'm anxious. Oh my God, it's because I'm sad. Um, And we start uncovering all these other motivations to eat, and then we have to go through the thought process ourselves of, okay, so what what do I do if I want to eat, but I'm not hungry, and how do we navigate those situations? And it starts to just bring up a really good dialogue um, that sets a great foundation for not just, eating because food is there or because we're triggered in some way. And that allows us to make conscious decisions about what we're putting into our body and when, and therefore not eating excessively. And yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I think that I like the, the four scale. Cause I think it, it's like, it takes a scale and breaks it down even simpler. Um, but I, I like that because I think a lot of times what happens with most people And, you know, especially if you uh, work from home um, or, you know, whatever it may be, I feel like, or, you know, you're a mom or, and you're sitting there and you kind of ignore when you're at a level three and all of a sudden you get to a level four and then you're in the pantry and you're reaching for the, the easiest thing that you can find. Um, so, you know, whether that's like a handful of chips or trail mix or, uh, whatever you can find in the fridge, maybe it's, you know, just quick processed foods and you feel like all you're eating is junk food because you're not, you know, you know, whatever, you don't have the, um, things set in place where you could still grab and go or make better choices because you're just hungry and you just need to eat now. And so recognizing that, okay, if I'm constantly at a four, the, the, these are going to be my eating habits. Um, but one of the reasons that I like macro tracking before getting to this point is I'm thinking of a few clients who, if they were to listen to their hunger levels, they would consistently under eat every single day. And so when they're macro tracking, kind of like the example I was using earlier is like, I have to track or not have to, but I like to track right now because I'm like forcing myself to be like, oh my gosh, I do need to eat more. So like, what strategies do I need to implement? Okay. Well, I know that if I go later in the day, I'm having to cram in all this food at the end of the night. And I don't like that. I don't like how I feel. So I need to eat earlier. Um, or in like, how do I sneak in food earlier through my day, um, to allow me to still eat at the level I need to eat. And so like still being able to utilize those strategies, but without the tracking portion of things. So, um, I like the hunger levels, but also kind of ensuring that you're I guess, not that your hunger level is accurate, but kind of like knowing what your tendencies are.
0: Yeah, no, I will say pretty much everything I have on my list of things to go over almost all apply to people who will overeat um, calories yeah. in in like mindful, intuitive situations. Um, so it's usually like a, you lost weight because you had to lose weight because you got to a point where you ate too much and you wanted to lose it you lost the weight and now you're scared you're going to get it back by eating too much. That's really, I think the stage for this. Um, The hunger levels does not apply well with really low appetites and low appetites signify that something else is going on that is wrong in the metabolism or the hormones or all of the above. Usually it's like a combination of you've been chronically under eating, sleep is poor, stress is high. We need a reverse diet. We need to just you know, just take a lot of stress off of the body. Um, and there's other processes, I think, work better in that context. So you're yeah. absolutely right there.
1: Yeah. I guess we should have said that in the beginning. Oops. Oh, well, um, um, now you're here. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah. So moving on from hunger levels, unless you have anything else.
0: No, I think that's it for that. But I think it's oh, cool. just when you use those levels, It's going to open up a wormhole of dialogue about physical versus emotional cravings to eat. Um, And you have to explore those in order to actually get anywhere with these hunger levels and to be able to then make empowered decisions based on them.
1: And I guess to to dive further into that, I know that I was just about to move on, Um, (laughs) but if you do find yourself like Marissa was saying, like if you're standing in front of the pantry and you're a level one and you're like, why am I here? Um, one of the things that you can do is food journal. So every single meal you can write down like what you're eating, what time, like how you're feeling, uh, where your hunger level is. So am I, you know, one through four, how am I feeling? Am I sad? Am I anxious? Am I stressed? Am I rushed? Like what, like, why did I choose this meal that I'm about to eat? Um, and I will say with most people who food food journal and they're actually food journaling the way that they're supposed to. Um, they will tend to eat a little bit better because it's like, do I really want to record that I'm eating five M and M's or I just grabbed a handful (laughs) of trail mix. Um, they might just say it's not worth it. (laughs) Um, but you know, even if you're not actually recording, you might have that dialogue in your head being like, I'm really not that hungry. I don't need to grab a handful of trail mix and write it down in my food journal because I know that I'm bored. Um, so even even that can be really helpful. But um, I think that is a really good tool because it forces you to sit down and say, okay, am I actually hungry? Like, why am I eating this? Like, how do I feel afterwards? Or maybe like what happened? What was the context before this meal uh, that led me to sit down and eat here? So I think that that's something yeah. that you could utilize too.
0: Yeah. The journaling is huge. And again, it's like, it's similar to writing things in MyFitnessPal of like what you're eating, right? Because if you're logging it, that happens to clients who track their food for the first time. They're like, wow, I don't want to plug that in because shit, I got a lot of stuff in it. But yeah, yeah, it's similar, but it's like, again, it's just an active process of like awareness and like really figuring out what's going on. Um, And once you can bring awareness to all of that, you're going to be very empowered uh, one way or another.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Cool. So next up, we got a bunch of different tools that you can use. And again, more context of, I like to use a lot of these when I'm eating out because foods that uh, we eat at restaurants are often coated in butters and sauces and things that maybe we can't quantify, but we know are laden in calories, extra calories uh, that could potentially put us over, you know, our theoretical, uh, amount of calories that would allow us to maintain our weight, right. And maintain our results. And, uh, the first method that I really like, I actually used it on Aaron's birthday on Monday, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I used it, uh, when we got sushi and burgers because I really like sushi and you can't really like take sushi home and like expect it to be okay, the next day. <laughs> so we ate all of that, but we had a burger that we split and we basically split everything half and half, but we cut the burger in half and we, I use what's called the four quarters method. So we cut the burger in half and then I cut it in half again. And I was like, I'm going to eat a fourth of this. And at this point I had already had sushi. So I was like, not that hungry at that point, but I was like, this is, this is probably going to be really good. <laughs> so I'm going to have a quarter of this. And then i'm going to be able to see that they're literally sections right i'm not just holding half a burger and saying i'm going to stop when i'm halfway done with this i cut it into quarters ate the first quarter and then stopped and then um, after that i realized i was full so then i didn't eat the last quarter and then aaron was able to to finish that for me but um this is something you can do with anything sandwiches plates whatever divide your plate into four different quarters go one at a time and take a pause in between each one, um, and really give yourself some space to reflect on like, do I really need to eat the, the next one to be you know, satisfied? Like, how am I really feeling with all of this? And it could just like, it, it implements. And I think what a lot of these things do, it puts pauses in what you're doing and gives you room to think that's literally it. Like we're going from mindless to mindful eating. Like it's just about thinking through. And so that's one that I really like um, and have been using a lot actually.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, I forget, there have been a couple studies, but if you're eating kind of the same stuff, you get fuller quicker. Whereas if you introduce something new, you're more likely to like make room for it in your head. and eat more. So kind of like you're saying like, oh man, I've already had sushi. So if someone had put another thing of sushi in front of you, you might've been like, uh, no, you know, I'm good. But if someone puts a burger in front of you, you'd be like, hell yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's the same thing with dessert too, which is like, you know, everyone talks about like, you always have room for dessert. That's part of it. It's, it's a mental thing. So I like the idea of breaking it into quarters, because again, if you introduce this new food, you maybe would have eaten the entire half because you're making room for it mentally. Whereas if you just cut it in fourth, like you have an opportunity to stop and think, okay, where am I now before I embark on this second quarter?
0: Yeah. And uh, that's how people win the 10,000 calorie challenge is they Mm -hmm. alternate sweet and savory and sweet and savory. Mm -hmm. And they have all different things throughout the day. And that's how they get over the mental barrier of extreme physical discomfort (laughs) is novelty and alternating, uh, flavors and taste buds and stuff. So yeah. Um, cool. You want to take one down?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I really like the idea of chewing slowly because it just slows down everything that you're doing. And I used to be someone who would like inhale my food, um, before I really had an idea of what it looks like to Eat like <laughs> normally, I guess, or eat like more healthily. And I, I guess it's part of it is like I just didn't know any different. Like I, I didn't know. Like I just thought I ate fast, and I like I kind of labeled myself as a fast eater. And yeah, people do, yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't know if I thought it was not funny, but I just thought like, oh, that's just the way I eat. I just eat quickly. Um, but like taking a step back and recognizing, like, oh actually, if I chew my food more before I swallow, I'm going to help my digestive system out a little bit. So it doesn't have to work that hard. Like, um, I am going to swallow, uh, like less air because I'm not just inhaling my food. Um, and like, I'm actually going to be fuller sooner because I'm allowing myself to recognize that I'm eating and I'm full. Um, so just like a couple different things that I do. So I really like the the chewing slowly, but also enjoying what you're eating and not just eating as quickly as possible. So realizing that, you know, I think that sometimes what happens too when we're when we're macro tracking and we're eating and we feel like sometimes we're force feeding ourselves, like we're not sitting down and really enjoying our food. Um, so I, I like that aspect of things and being more uh aware of your surroundings and maybe who you're eating with. Um, You're not as distracted. You really focus and and honoring the food. I think that that sounds weird, but that's something that we kind of do at our house too. Um, And like that goes right into like putting the fork down in between bites. So just slowing things down. Um, And then also, I think that, again, we use that example. If you're at a four, maybe you eat a lot quicker because you are more hungry. So you're trying to get the food in. Whereas if you eat at a three, you might be able to eat a little bit slower um, and help yourself and and recognize where you are on that hunger scale after you've eaten a little bit.
0: Yeah. And uh, eliminate distractions. Yes. like Yep. It, it's all about just paying attention to the food. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we are scrolling on our phone and I'm still guilty of this from time to time and I try to catch myself and stop But like, if you're scrolling on your phone while you're eating, you are taking attention away from the flavor, the texture of the food, Mm
1: -hmm. the satisfaction
0: that you're going to gain from it. Because, um, you know, if you actually take the time to appreciate like all of the flavor and the texture and everything that goes into the food, you're going to feel more, uh, psychologically satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will also say this wasn't on our list eliminating distractions enjoying what you eat not from just a sense of slowing down to enjoy it but preparing food that you actually enjoy um with different textures with different flavors um and the way that you prepare things like vary it up because if you enjoy what you're eating you're going to be able to more likely actually take the time to sit through with that and spend the time to enjoy it um I think a lot of times when we end up just scarfing things down really quickly is when we're in that, like, oh, I just eat the same lunch and dinner Monday through Friday. And like, I just get it down and I get it in and that's it. And it's like, yeah, of course. Cause you eat the same like freaking ground Turkey and rice 10 times a week. Like <laughs> you're, you're just going to want to shovel it down because you don't like it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I I love the no distraction
1: things because I think a lot of times you, like most people will eat in front of the TV or scroll on their phone or something like that. So just be more present. I think that it just, it brings back that idea that food can actually be like, a it can be of something that you enjoy and not a, um, not like a, a burden or like a something that you have to do. Cause I know that sometimes people think that like, oh man, if I could just eat like once a day <laughs> and not have to worry about any other meals for any other time. Um, so I, I really like the the no distraction. And I think too it like kind of if you were like, okay, like instead of just sitting down in front of the TV or on our phones, like maybe we're forced to sit down and like look at each other and talk to each other and ask <laughs> like how your day was. Um, and you might find yourself having like nice conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another one I really like that goes against everything that I've ever learned is called favorites first. And it is exactly what it sounds like, but you eat your favorite food first instead of, you know, let me get the protein in first. Let me get the veggies in first. Cause like, that's how I always like train myself to eat my plate. And I was never the person who like took one bite of each thing and rotated, like I was always like this section, that section, that section. And like, (laughs) I know that that's like something that actually differs depending on like how you've grown up eating. But Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people tend to kind of go section by section and save their best for last, right. Or the best bite for last. And the problem with that is that it can lead to overeating beyond when you're full, because you save the best for last and you eat everything and you're full and the best is still there you're going to eat it. Like (laughs) you, you, you enjoy it. Right. And so what I would encourage you to try, especially when you're like eating out or there's something that like you order and you're like, maybe it's more indulgent and you're like, man, I really love this x y z thing here. I have to get it. Just eat it first. Like just have it first. And like disregard, I did this once on our mini moon and it like bothered me to no end, but like basically I got this whole plate and there was like hush puppies and collard greens and a bunch of grilled seafood. And we also had like a a mac and cheese appetizer that we split and the mac and cheese was really good. So I said, you know, what, I'm going to do favorites first. I'm going to have more of that. And I'm going to eat what I can with the other stuff till I'm satisfied. And I left like four shrimp and like a whole filet of fish on the plate. And I was like, bothered because I was like, that's protein. It's literally just protein. I can't even gain fat from overeating on this. Why don't I just eat it? But I was like, just sit there and like be full. And I walked out of the restaurant, I was plenty full. And I left it all on the table and uh, we had it another time when when we were hungry. But it was like so difficult for me to comprehend doing it because it's just so backwards from everything we've like taught ourselves.
1: Yeah. I knew that you're going to bring up that meal <laughs> before you started talking yeah. about it. Uh, Cause I can, I remember the before and after of the plate and I was like, wow, nothing really changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is really interesting to think about favorite favorites first, because it, it really does go against everything that I feel like most people eat. And it's really interesting because we are actually starting solids with Colton now. So he's, uh, oh. at his six month mark he's been cleared by the pediatrician and there's so many things that I have been reading and like it was you were talking about like the sections of the plate and it's super interesting because they have all these different things that you can buy for your kid Um, they have uh, like these three section plates sometimes even four so you could put like you know Strawberries in one, you can put bananas in another, you can put pancakes in one, and maybe eggs in another. Um, but sometimes what that can do to a kid is like in their head, they think, Oh, these things can't touch, or like these are separate, or whatever it may be. Whereas if you just put it all on a tray, it's the same thing, or maybe you intermix some of the strawberries and bananas together, so it's like, Oh, okay, my food can touch, or like I can eat. Yeah, it's really interesting, like as you're going down, or like the like a rule not necessarily like a rule but when growing up like I was kind of taught like you have to clear your plate like you know you have to clear your plate especially if you're going to have dessert like what do you mean like you didn't finish this but now you want this like you got to clear your plate so just things like that um I just think is really interesting I'm like oh my gosh like am I gonna fuck my kid up <laughs> Yeah, oh <my> gosh. <laughs> with like eating strategies and
0: I know people that like can't have their food touched and I've always thought mm-hmm. it was weird because like I like mixing certain things together but I also yeah. like some things I'll go section by section some things I'll be like it's a mosh posh but like <laughs> I've never thought about it that hard but it's like I always wondered like why can't those people just like have the food touch it's weird and uh it's not it's not their fault it's just like what they were used to growing up and like yeah now that I think about it we never used section plates so maybe that's why
1: yeah maybe that's part <laughs> of it um but yeah so just it's just interesting how i'm thinking like i almost overthink things now cuz i'm like oh my god like am i going to screw my get up the rest of his life and his food can't touch or uh, <laughs> whatever it may be but then it also is kind of nice because i'm like okay well maybe we can instill like hey when we are eating dinner like we don't have the tv on like that's not something that we do we sit down and we talk to each other as a family or or more present you know just small things like that um mm-hmm. So I, I like the idea of favorites first, because it also doesn't allow you to be like, okay, well, all I have left is mac and cheese. That's what I really want. So I have like over like stuff myself to the point where I'm not even enjoying eating this mac and cheese. I just am trying to, cause I know that I like it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and then it also made me think about, um, when we talk about distractions, like, um, also portioning, uh, certain things, like if you sit down and um, you have like a bag of chips or something, or you want to eat some chips. So instead of bringing the bag over to the table and sitting there and going, I'm going to eat this mindfully, like (laughs) there's a really good chance you're going to eat the whole bag because you're sitting in front of the TV. You're not thinking about it. So like sectioning things out and saying, I'm going to grab a serving size, or I'm going to grab what I think I want to eat. And then watching you yourself clear a plate instead of just going into a bag Um, And then always knowing like, Hey, if I'm still hungry, like I can go back for more. Um, But like starting off small and if you want more, you can go back and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So that's another strategy that's, I mean, not necessarily like something, I guess, to really make it its own little like section, but just some small things that you can do.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it just, It makes you pause. You finish a plate. You have to think about, do I want another one versus just continuing to go back and go back, hand in the bag, hand in the bag, right? So it just, it just gives you that space to, to think and to make a decision.
1: Yeah. And another thing that you can do too is plate size. So this is another thing that uh, happens is let's say um, you have this huge plate and you pile on, you know, whatever it might be that you're eating like psychologically look at it and go that's not a lot of food. Whereas if you have a smaller plate and you put the same amount of food that whoa this is overflowing the plate, like you feel like you're gonna eat more um and it's gonna be more satiating. So you know playing around with that it may be something so silly but um can make a big difference in how you perceive the meal that you're eating.
0: Yeah. Yeah absolutely. And then I think uh you put this one on here but uh, hydration. Mm -hmm. is really important because if you are not hydrated, you will falsely perceive hunger. And so it's just very important that throughout all of this, um, just as a baseline, that when we're mindfully eating, we are hydrating our body adequately. We're drinking plenty of water in the morning and we're staying hydrated throughout the rest of the day. That's going to help a lot with making sure that these hunger levels that we're feeling are actually accurate and uh, we're actually ending up um, in a good spot at the end of the day when we listen to all those signals so yeah yeah
1: um that's kind of all I can think about do you have anything else um no I don't think so okay cool um well it's kind of an abrupt stop but (laughs) (laughs) um but I think that kind of like just to to summarize and kind of wrap everything up like mindful eating and macro tracking are tools and skills to utilize and refine. And just because you try maybe in mindful eating at one point in time, and it didn't necessarily work, doesn't mean that it's not going to work in the future or, you know, kind of just building upon where you are and refining your skills and knowing that if something's not working, you can always go back to something else um, and, and kind of hang out there for a while. But, you know, don't be frustrated if you can't do this yet, or if you do still feel like you need help with whatever, wherever you are in your eating journey. Um, Oh yeah.
0: You won't be perfect at this. Don't expect yourself to be, you're going to fuck up. You're going to overeat and it's going to happen. You're just going to get better at it. (laughs)
1: yeah yeah exactly and I know it is frustrating because it's like with macro tracking it's like well I've never done this before you know I'm still utilizing or getting uh, you know acclimated with my fitness power versus mindful eating it's like I should be able to know how to eat (laughs) Uh, so I think that that sometimes can be the frustrating part but um, anyways we hope that you have a better idea of how you can go back and forth between these two things maybe have some different strategies that you can utilize when you are mindfully eating and Um, We hope that overall, you just enjoyed this episode. Um, And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope to see you back next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.